the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Com slash commercials. The following program is sponsored by the Truth Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy examines the strength of weakness. Paul speaks about a thorn in the flesh given to him to humble him. It's painful, it's hurtful. A gift from God, although initially he doesn't like it, he prays for its removal. He struggles through this, it remains, and he comes to see God's got a providence and a purpose in this. the middle of a difficult trial, it's hard to see how God could use it for good. That's why today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy is opening to 2 Corinthians 12 to explore a specific struggle faced by the Apostle Paul. Many of us admire the great faith, hope, and endurance of believers like Paul, but it's usually born out of great adversity. So Philip is reminding us that it's often our weaknesses that draw us near to God's all-sufficient grace. He's titled today's message, The Strength of Weakness. Just this week, I was reading about a pastor who regularly received critical letters from an anonymous member of his church. And the letters were ominously signed, The Thorn. In fact, in one of the early notes, this person had let the pastor know that they had read the story of Paul and his thorn in the side and how God had used that thorn in the side to humble Paul, which made Paul lean on God, which made him open to a new experience of grace. And so this person had dutifully appointed themselves The Thorn. After a few of these notes, the pastor wanted to find out who the thorn was, and through the post office was able to send an anonymous letter himself to the thorn. And it was interesting, at the bottom of the pastor's letter, he signed it, the hedge trimmer. (laughs) Now, as our story illustrates, whether it's problems or problem people, we like to take the hedge trimmer to those proverbial thorns in our side. None of us like to live long with things we dislike. As soon as pain shows up or problems develop, we immediately get to work reducing the pain and removing the problem. Come on, let's be honest. The prevailing philosophy of our life is this, that thorns in the side must be set aside as quickly as possible. But I want to suggest something to you. I want to raise a question. What if there was a value to our thorn? What if there was a blessing in the buffeting? What if we might even get to a place where we thank God for our hardships and our heartaches? Now, that's counterintuitive. That cuts against the grain of the way we think and react. But while it's counterintuitive, Paul will argue here in the passage we're about to look at, it is Christian. Because here, Paul acknowledges, after having visited heaven, 
with the prospective danger of pride resulting, God gives to Paul a thorn in his side to keep him humble, to keep him dependent upon God. Initially, Paul didn't like the thorn. He wanted to take the hedge trimmer to the thorn in his side. But after a while, he realized that the thorn was going to remain within the providence and will of God. And he came to a place where he actually rejoices, takes pleasure in his infirmities and his needs and his distresses. High counterintuitive, but high Christian. That's amazing. Paul sets the hedge trimmer down. He embraces his thorn in the flesh because it humbles him, shipwrecks him in God, and opens his life to a new infusion of God's grace, which makes him spiritually strong. You see, the thorn makes him weak. The weakness makes him needy. The need points him to God, and God, through his sufficient grace, makes him strong, even in a state of weakness. And that's why he values the thorn. That's why he embraces the trial. And so you and I need to learn in life, that we mustn't only stop to smell the roses, we must appreciate the thorns. In fact, George Matheson, the Scottish poet and preacher, who wrote the hymn, O Love That Will Not Let Me Go, came to appreciate that insight. At one point in his life, struggling with blindness himself, he says this, "'My God, I have never thanked Thee for my thorns.'" I have thanked thee a thousand times for my roses, but not once for my thorns. I have been looking forward to a world where I shall get compensation for my cross, but I have never thought of my cross as itself a present glory. Teach me the glory of my cross. Teach me the value of my thorn. Show me that I have climbed to thee by the path of pain. Show me that my tears have made my rainbow. Quite an insight. In fact, Billy Graham, the evangelist, has something similar to say. He once stated this, Sometimes life touches one person with a bouquet of flowers and another with a thorn bush. But the first might find a wasp in the flowers and the second might discover roses among the thorns. It's a good word. And so I want us to come and look with you at 2 Corinthians 12, verses 1 to 10. I want us to learn the value of our thorns. And I want us to learn that God's grace is more than enough for you and I to bear whatever burden God sends and sanctions our way. It's what I call suffering grace. Remember, we're in a series called Total Grace. Grace is not a leg up in the Christian life. Grace is not a push in the right direction at the beginning of our Christian experience. No, grace is the all-inclusive, all-encompassing, sufficient activity of God whereby He gives us what we need to do what He asks. Grace puts heaven in us. Grace will someday put us in heaven. And grace will underwrite everything in between. And that's why we've looked at saving grace, strengthening grace, speaking grace, serving grace, singing grace, and we're going to look at suffering grace from 2 Corinthians 12, 1 to 10. God can give us grace to suffer. In fact, suffering handled correctly will see an increase of grace in our lives. Now, let me put the text in its context. I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but when we get to chapter 12, 
Paul's been about the business of defending himself. It's something he doesn't like to do. In fact, from chapter 10, 11, and 12, you're going to see he's embarrassed and he feels awkward about defending himself, of speaking about himself, of even boasting. It's a kind of foolishness that he's been forced into by certain leaders, certain false apostles who have doubted Paul's credentials as a Christian leader. And one of the points of attack is this, that Paul is too normal to be an apostle. He's too tiny, too timid, too tame. See, they argue is that God's men are marked by dynamism, assertiveness, eloquence, power, ecstatic visions. And Paul's trying to defend himself against that kind of attack. And so he is kind of forced into the foolishness of boasting of talking about himself, of conveying his own character and credentials. Although the interesting thing is that he likes to boast in his infirmities. That's the tact he's taking because he believes these false apostles who are preaching a false gospel have inverted the cross. God's power was put on display in the weakness of the cross. And true apostles of Jesus Christ embrace weakness, humble service, cross-bearing. And so Paul, when he boasts, boasts in infirmity. Look at verse 30 of chapter 11. I will boast in these things which concern my infirmity. And he has just cataloged for us the fact that he has been stoned, shipwrecked. He has lived in the peril of his own life. He has faced robbers. He's been hungry. He's been thirsty. He's been naked. But Paul boasts in that. That's what he sets out as the true credential of the servant of Jesus Christ. Because in God's kingdom, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. In God's kingdom, it's not how many servants a man has, but by many men a man serves. And this carries through into the chapter that we're looking at, where Paul in verse 5 again boasts in his infirmity. Verse 9 again, he boasts in his infirmity. And it's important to remember that because we're going to see that Paul has been forced to share something that he has hidden for 14 years. His authority is on the line, so he plays a trump card. You guys like to talk about power and authority and ecstatic visions? I got one for you. I've kept this secret for 14 years. But I was once personally raptured in the body, out of the body, I don't know. I was personally raptured into the presence of the risen Christ. Touche. But it's interesting, again, what he talks about that, he actually uses that story against them, but he uses that experience in his life to speak again of his infirmity. Because he goes on to say that God humbled him after that experience with a thorn in the flesh. And that thorn in the flesh brought him to a place of weakness. But he has learned to embrace that weakness because when he's weak, he's strong. He experiences God's grace in ways that he wouldn't otherwise. If dependence is the goal, then weakness is an advantage. And that's his argument here. So that's the text in its context. We're going to look at four things. The providence, the prayer, the promise, the perspective. Let's look at the providence. As we've said, Paul's credentials and character are being questioned. 
He reluctantly plays the trump card. He tells him about an experience where he was personally raptured to heaven. In fact, he's so reluctant to tell this that actually in verses 1 through 6, he speaks as if he's speaking about someone else. He speaks in the third person. But it is Paul that is being spoken about here. I'll give you three reasons why. Because remember, he's defending his own authority. What good would it be if his detractors are focused on him to talk about someone else? No, it's Paul that's being spoken about here by Paul in the third person. Number two, he actually identifies himself in verse six. And number three, he ties the reception of the thorn to the vision he experienced in the presence of Christ. So it is Paul. And you know, He says, you guys like the boast of ecstatic visions and revelations? Well, I can come to visions and revelations, verse 1 of chapter 12. But remember, we shouldn't be surprised. In the second half of the telling of this story, Paul speaks about a thorn in the flesh given to him to humble him, to keep him from pride. Therefore, the telling of the vision of paradise is simply a segue in his desire once again the glory in his weakness and humble service for Christ. In fact, this is where I get my first thought. The providence, he's admitting that this thorn in his flesh as a result of his visit to heaven is a providence. It was given to me, although a messenger of Satan, it was given to me implication by God. And you know what? It has humbled me. And I have learned that God's strength is made perfect in my weakness. This is what I call the providence, verse 7. Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Three things about this thorn, which he admits is a providence. A gift from God, although initially he doesn't like it, he prays for its removal, He struggles through this. It remains, and he comes to see God's got a providence and a purpose in this. So let's look at the thorn. Let's look at what I call the picture of the thorn. The whole image of the thorn is rather dramatic, isn't it? In fact, our English translations probably do the Greek a little bit of a disservice. A thorn in the flesh. The Greek word is actually stake. It was used of decapitated heads that were you know, stuck on a spike or a stake and put on display to put fear into the enemy. That's our word. It's a stake. It's a large pole with a point. And Paul takes that and he says, you know, I've been given a stake for the flesh, a thorn in my side. MacArthur says, no small thorn, but a large stake. It's painful. It's hurtful. Now, as we look at the picture of the thorn, what was it? Well, Paul doesn't tell us. It's led to a lot of speculation, a lot of ink has been spilt. I've read pages and pages of reflections by commentators and Bible teachers. There are several top contenders. Number one, it was a physical ailment. It was some bodily dysfunction, some illness, some sickness. In fact, all kinds of things have been argued from headaches to malaria to an eye problem. In fact, there may be some merit to the thesis that it was an eye problem, Because in Galatians 4, 13 to 15 and Galatians 6, verse 11, we see that Paul had an eye problem. He had to read and write in large letters. 
William Ramsey, a great biblical scholar, argues for malaria because where Paul traveled in his missionary journeys, malaria often was something someone struggled with. Physical ailment. Number two, a reoccurring temptation. Because some commentators take the word flesh here, not in a physical sense, not in Paul addressing his body, but in an ethical sense, his unredeemed humanity, that part of him that's still susceptible to temptation. And so to drive a stake through his flesh, to humble him, to kill the old man, so to speak, Paul was faced with a reoccurring temptation he had to fight with, and and in fighting with it, he was made strong in the Lord. A third contender is oppositional leadership. It's a good argument. Again, it's clear that there were those false apostles who were doubting Paul, casting dispersion upon his credentials, and they were a thorn in his side. And the fourth top contender is demonic oppression. Joe MacArthur argues this. Several others argue this. Messenger can also be translated angel, angel of Satan, demon, messenger from hell. That's how that word is normally used in the Gospels. And so might we have here an insight that Satan has targeted the apostle Paul And while he cannot be possessed by a demon, he can be oppressed by a demon, and that's what's going on. Demons have attacked him physically, perhaps hindered his advancement in gospel work. In fact, you could combine version 3 and 4 in that chapter 11, Paul talks about false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. So you could have a combination in that you have false teachers who have demonic roots, and they're opposing Paul and the gospel. So after a week of study, I've come to this conclusion. I don't know what the thorn is. I'm agnostic And I think that's a good place to be, actually. It's a good position to take, for it allows you and me to take our stresses and our distresses and say, that might have been Paul's thorn. If you've got a physical ailment, you'd like to think that was Paul's thorn. If you've got a reoccurring temptation, you'd like to think that's Paul's thorn. If you've got someone opposing you, being a thorn in your side and a pain in your neck, well, then you'd like to think that's Paul's oppositional leadership and his thorn. Perhaps you're in the fight of your life spiritually. There's warfare going on for your commitment to Jesus Christ. And you'd like to think maybe my thorn is Paul's thorn, demonic oppression. That's the picture. What about the purpose? Now, the picture is ambiguous. We don't know. I think good arguments could be made for those four views. We don't need to be dogmatic. That's not a hell to die on. So the picture is ambiguous. We don't know what the thorn is. And therefore, you can make it what you want it to be in some sense so that you can learn the lessons you need to learn. But the purpose is not ambiguous. Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. Let's stop. Paul's saying, in the light of the fact, I went to the third heaven. He tells us what the third heaven was. It was paradise. It was the presence of God. It was the immediate presence of the risen Christ. Paul went there and came back. He doesn't know if he went in his body or out of his body, but he had an experience second to none. This is an abundance of revelation. By the way, he didn't write a book about it. My trip to heaven and back, like some others have. He says, you know what, in the light of that, you know what happened? A thorn in the flesh was given to me. 
a messenger of Satan to buffet me. There's the purpose. It's as clear as day. We don't know what the thorn is, but we know its purpose. It was to buffet him. Lest he be exalted, it was given to him to keep him humble. In fact, this word buffet is a very strong verb. It's used in Matthew 26, 67 of the Roman soldier laying his fist on the face of the Savior. It's our word. It's to beat someone, black and blue. That's not quite an image. Paul's saying, hey, I was given a thorn. Could have been a person, could have been an illness, could have been a demonic attack, could have been someone opposing him. And that thorn beat me down. It was like a fist in my face. It beat me down. It had this effect of bringing me low. It was given to keep me from rising up in pride. This thorn was given to burst my bubble. Interesting, buffet me. That's not buffet, by the way, it's buffet. It was given to buffet me, to beat me down. It's in the present tense, which means it was a reoccurring event. Now, the fact that Paul, in the next verse, prays that three times it would be removed, we could conclude, say it was a physical ailment, that it flared up three times in his life. And each time he prayed for its removal. But either way, the present tense would seem to infer that this was a humiliating, debilitating, frustrating, and periodic experience. But the purpose is clear. God was using it to remedy Paul of the potential danger of spiritual pride, of his visit to heaven going to his head. And he's embarrassed to kind of let it out. Now, he's kept it a secret for 14 years. But these guys have forced him into the foolishness of boasting. But even here, he turns it to say, the end of the story is humility, infirmity, and in that I glory. Because it's there you know God in a wonderful way and His grace in a special manner. That's why God doesn't take the risk of removing it. He prayed three times that the Lord would take it away, and God didn't. God wasn't going to take the risk of removing it. It was going to play a vital role in Paul's life. It was effective in making Paul effective because it made him dependent. And if dependence is the goal, then weakness is an ally. Now, hear that again. If dependence is the goal, if leaning on God, if staying close to God is the goal in each of our lives, then weakness that presses us towards God is an ally. It's an advantage. The thorn produced a natural weakness in Paul that produced a supernatural strength in Paul through grace. You're listening to Philip DeCourcy on Know the Truth. Today's message is part of our current Total Grace series, and you can listen to previous broadcasts online at ktt.org. And when you visit our website, be sure to take the KTT Listener Survey. But don't delay because the survey will be online for only a few more days, and we want to hear from you. At Know the Truth, Philip's teaching always teems with biblical hope and encouragement, and he's not afraid to preach the plain truth. Like today, when he reminded us not to focus on our thorns. Instead, we're to fix our eyes on Jesus, who will give us the strength to endure any and all trials. Get these bold and biblical messages to people in your community and to others all across the country. And one of the best ways to do that is by becoming a Truth Ambassador. Truth Ambassadors make a monthly recurring donation to keep Know the Truth on the air. Join this dedicated team when you sign up online at ktt.org or call 888-644-8811. 
And when you give $25 or more, you'll receive the book Grace-Focused Optimism by C.L. Chase. This book is bursting with encouragement as the author explains the many dimensions of grace. Discover how grace saves, grace transforms, and grace enables us to live a life that pleases God and infuses our hearts with optimism. Ask for Grace-Focused Optimism when you become a monthly Truth Ambassador or when you give a one-time gift of $25 or more to Know the Truth. Donate online at ktt.org or call 888-644-8811. And if you prefer to send your donation by mail, write to Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. It's been great having you with us today on Know the Truth. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd, inviting you back tomorrow for more about God's total grace, the grace that turns weakness to strength. We're continuing the topic Tuesday on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. of my life has been to stand shoulder to shoulder with WAVA listeners in Israel. This is WAVA's Dennis Williams. I love Israel. I want to invite you to join me in experiencing Israel. Or if you've been to Israel before, it's time to return. Join me on December 2nd through the 11th, 2019. We'll visit the amazing places you've read about in the Bible, including the Sea of Galilee, the Jordan River, and the Garden Tomb. Find information today at WAVA.com, keyword Israel, or give me a call, 703 703- 807-2211. You cannot live wrong and die right. We cannot continue to sin and believe we are saved. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley. Listen Monday through Friday to Pilgrim's Progress at 1 p.m. right here at WAVA 780. Salvation is freedom from sin. Just in. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.